Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after growing old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who was born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that God gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world in order to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I invite you to be seated. I like Nicodemus. He's a theologian, he's a scholar, he's a man of reason, he's ready to engage new ideas critically. He's an expert in the law, a member of the Sanhedrin, which is kind of like a cross between the seminary president and a member of the Supreme Court. He's perhaps also a seeker. He wants to know more about the spirit life that Jesus preaches and embodies. Like us, he finds himself drawn to God's living word. So after dark, which I'm assuming is the time of day when a conversation is least likely to get interrupted, Nicodemus makes his way to the house where Jesus is staying and greets him. Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God because nobody can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. It's a standard complimentary greeting for somebody you're just meeting. And then Jesus responds with something much more abrupt and mysterious, as though there's no time to be wasted with pleasantries. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus says, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And you're like, where did that come from? 
In Greek, this from above or from God and born again and born anew are all sort of layered meanings of the same word. So Nicodemus is wrestling with this word he has received from Jesus. He's asking himself, what does this mean? He wants to understand it. He wants to understand, he wants it to make logical sense. Can anyone be born after having grown old? He asks. It's kind of a facetious question. I mean, obviously no, right? Can anyone enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? And Jesus then replies, very truly, I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of spirit is spirit. And then he goes on to say the spirit's like the wind. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from, and you don't know where it's going next. Justo Gonzalez says, in other words, it's beyond our control. It can blow gently, it can blow fiercely, it can move a ship along, it can sink that ship. Likewise, the Spirit of God is a gentle breeze and an overpowering presence all at the same time. How can these things be, Nicodemus asks again. And then he leaves, still pondering. I am Nicodemus. I have struggled. I have struggled to understand and to make sense of the mysteries of the faith. As a young child, I remember lying in my bed at night and hurling questions into the darkness, yearning for God to reach out and touch me and help me understand so that I could believe. I wanted to believe. I just couldn't believe. Everybody else seemed to believe. I learned all these stories about all these miraculous signs and healings that Jesus would do and that God had done. I learned that God is love, but what difference did it make to me? My mother loved God. She sang in the church choir every Sunday. She taught Sunday school. She was always sitting at the dining room table poring over our family Bible, studying God's word, praying without ceasing. I mean, truly, there was not a more faithful woman. And yet she suffered from mental illness deep depressions, distorted thinking. She was sad a lot. There was this hopelessness. It would invade our Sundays. I remember one Sunday morning when I was 10, we had gone to church, my mother, my brother, and I, my dad had stopped going. And it was the usual service, and everything seemed great, but my mom just kind of had a little cloud over her head. And we got in the car, and we began to drive home, and suddenly she pulled over to the side of the road and just collapsed bawling, her whole body just heaving against the steering wheel. She hated herself. She said we'd be better off without her. Why, God, does she think that? Make her stop hurting. I used to pray at night, God, fix it all, right? Make it right. I wrestled with why sometimes good people suffer bad things and why sometimes people who do seemingly bad things prosper. I've learned that God's prayers are answered. Sometimes those prayers for healing come in this lifetime. They always come in the next. In Sunday school, we talked about peace, but our home wasn't always peaceful. 
I would ask myself, why can't we be happy? Where is our joy? And like Nicodemus, I wrestled and wrestled with the word. I wanted to meet the Jesus who performed the signs and the wonders, and I wanted to understand. I wanted to understand because I thought if I understood, then I could believe. Then I could trust I would reach for this white leather Bible. It's just a little thing. It had a zipper. It went around it. I got it as a gift one Easter. I bet some of you have seen it. Onion skin pages, little teeny tiny print, and all the words of Jesus were in red. I would turn in my little leather Bible to John 3.16, which was a verse reference that down south, they print that on billboards. John 3.16 assume you know it so they don't even bother to fill the words in for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life and I lay in my bed and I asked God to help me believe but you know what I just couldn't because I wasn't getting the answers that I was seeking maybe your questions are different Maybe you read the creation stories in Genesis and say, what about the dinosaurs? Maybe you wonder how Adam and Eve's children went on to populate the entire earth without them marrying their brothers and sisters. Yuck. Or maybe you're still trying to figure out how God parted the Red Sea or whether it was the Reed Sea so that the Israelites could cross over when they were fleeing Pharaoh. Maybe you're pondering how it is that Jesus could walk on water. Like Nicodemus, we confuse faith with understanding. That's the trap, I think, the quest to comprehend rather than encounter. I spent four years in seminary, actually it took me five, learning the official answers and wrestling, you know, with human constructs that would seek to explain the mysteries of God. We wrote the essays. We took the tests. It was great fun. I learned, I use, sorry, I use what I learned every day. Knowledge is a wonderful thing, but it isn't the source of faith. I've discovered that faith isn't about knowledge. Faith is about trust. Faith is moving forward without the answers and without the understanding and without the clear plan. Abram, we're told, trusted God when God showed up and said, Abram, I want you to leave everything you've ever known and go to a place that I'm going to show you. A mysterious destination. And yet, we're told, Abram trusted that promise, sometimes wrestled with that promise, and then kept leaning forward and moving into the promise. Over the years, I came to see that God was with me and to guide me through the chaos and even through the problems that didn't magically disappear from my life. I learned that I could trust God with my doubts, with my fears, with my disappointments, with my failures. I discovered in learning to trust that I could find that peace and joy that I had sought after for so long. Nicodemus trusted God enough to seek out Jesus and to wrestle with new ideas and teaching. And he is confronted with an invitation, though, rather than an explanation. Jesus circumvents all our attempts at logic and instead invites us to be reborn, to receive new life. 
It's the process of looking at our current life, the beautiful parts and the ugly parts. It's, it's turning away from the old life, the reliance on things that aren't God. And there are a lot of things we try to rely on that aren't God. I mean, maybe we start with our bank accounts and our friends and our family and our, our image, our prestige, our careers, our knowledge, all these other things. Maybe it's food, maybe it's buying stuff, maybe it's some other substance, maybe it's people that we're addicted to. I don't know, but we rely on a lot of stuff. But when we turn away from those things, we receive the new life that brings true joy and true freedom. We come to believe by just leaning into it. That when we stop fighting for control of our lives, when we trust God to navigate for us, that God will, in fact, and does guide and empower us. Believing is trusting. Discovering that we can rely upon God first in every single situation. That we can find new strength and new clarity and a deeper love and a joy that comes from being released from fear and shame and regret. Not once and done, but daily and moment by moment. When we try to run our own lives, at least when I've tried to run mine, I find myself in the darkness. When I trust in God to run my life, I find myself reborn into the light. To be born again, to be born from above, is to be born of God. It means we're being transformed and empowered by God and made new all the time. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, and he's telling us too, that things can be different. That that thanks to this new birth brought about by the Spirit that blows around wherever it wants, the one that we can't control but still comes to us, that because of this Spirit we can face a new life full of new possibilities. God's gift, Jesus says, Self, that he came to us in order to be raised on the cross as the serpent was raised in the desert. Now he's counting on that you will remember the serpent raised in the desert. And I know you remember this one, how Moses and the Israelites were wandering in the desert. You hear, you've heard that story. They were wandering out in the wilderness for 40 years. And while they were out there, they ran into a problem. There were a lot of fiery serpents. There's a lot of poisonous snakes out in the desert. And they're getting bit. I don't know, could be copperheads, a few rattlesnakes, maybe it's some other kind of pit viper. But, you know, you get the image. And it's a problem because people are being bit and they're dying. And so God tells Moses, make a, an image of a serpent in bronze and put it up on a pole and set it there in the sand of the desert. And when people get bit, they can look at the bronze serpent and they won't die anymore. It's not exactly the answer they were hoping for. Their snakes are still there. The people are still getting bit. But they also live. The world we live in can still tempt us. It can still confound us. It can pull us into pain and chaos. God doesn't take away all of our problems all at once. But every time we look at the cross, Jesus says we will receive the power of life. The power to resist the darkness. For God so loves the world, yes, us, all of us, God so loves us that God gave God's only son so that we might not perish but have eternal life. So when you doubt, Jesus is saying, look at me, not me, Jesus. Jesus is saying, look at me, for I am the very love of God for you. A love that has come to heal you and restore you 
and comfort and challenge you. A love that abides with you. A love that was willing to go to the cross for you. A love that does not perish but will raise you to new life. A love without end. Amen.